Welcome to episode 38 of the Axiom Podcast. I'm Joey Brandon, your host. And today we're going to be talking about chapter two of the book I wrote last year, Grow With Purpose. And this chapter is called The Message Needs a Messenger. I'll go through the chapter and then I'll come back after and talk through some of the principles. Chapter two, The Message Needs a Messenger. Once values, vision, why, and mission are established, it's important that we become experts at communicating them so that they truly make an impact on our employees, customers, and community. One of my mentors has a son who does this superbly, who is also incredibly humble, so I've disguised his name and industry, but you'll get an idea of how values, vision, why, and mission affect the day-to-day business. Ken owns a construction company that is changing the lives of orphans on the other side of the world. And he's doing it by building houses in some of the wealthiest neighborhoods in the United States. Ken is a relational person, working best in a team and interacting with other people. He loves working with the 30 or so employees in the home office. Ken's company, Classic Homes, has well-defined values, a clear vision, a compelling why, and a mission that resonates with team members, customers, and subcontractors. It's Ken's job to constantly communicate those things in the course of running the company. Let's take a look at how that happens and how it makes a difference. Classic Homes' values are compassion. Every decision affects a real person. Initiative. Great things will be accomplished by those who act first. Growth. Every day is a chance to learn from mistakes and get better. Stewardship. We take care of the material things entrusted to us. Classic Homes' vision is to build 5,000 homes. But why? They believe that everyone deserves a roof over their heads, and those who are most helpless among us cannot do it for themselves. Classic Homes takes a good portion of the profits from its business and uses them to build orphanages. They've done the math, and it will take about 5,000 homes to build, staff, and maintain 10 orphanages. Their employees get extended vacation time to take trips to foreign countries every few years with various churches and youth groups. The churches provide labor, while Classic Homes provides the supervision, building materials, and logistics to complete the work. Ken and his team take the words of James 1.27 to heart. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress. Classic Homes' mission statement is to build quality homes for a higher purpose. When you look at Ken's typical day, the company's vision, values, why, and mission show up everywhere. His role is to lead by putting them front and center in everything the company does. Here's Ken's work day. On this Tuesday morning, Ken wakes up and meditates on his company vision during his quiet time. During his morning stand-up meeting with his team, he talks about the value of compassion and how it should mean that individuals are considered first, regardless of the situation. He shares a short story from the previous day on how an employee in the field, Karen, handled herself in the face of an abusive customer. The customer accused her of incompetence, but Karen was able to turn the situation around, scheduling a special inspection to satisfy the customer and avoiding a two-week delay. After sharing the story, Ken asked Karen's supervisor to check in with her today and see if she needs anything further to help this customer. Later that morning, Ken has an opportunity to talk about each of the four values during a final new hire interview and asks for examples of where the prospective employee might have seen those values in action while working for other companies. What he hears isn't encouraging. After the interview, Ken talks with the manager who needs the hire 
and both agree to interview a few more people before making an offer. Next, Ken approves a press release that leads with their mission statement. He smiles to himself that he no longer has to write the mission statement into the first paragraph with a red pen. Marketing is catching on. Ken goes to lunch with his general manager, where they discuss whether the next facility they move into will be sufficient to achieve the company's vision of building 5,000 homes. It has taken them 15 years to reach 1,000, but the pace has accelerated exponentially over the last four years. The growth track looks something like 4,000 homes in 10 years. It's starting to look like they might need two more moves. Both agree to pull some numbers, and Ken says he'll talk to a friend across the country for some advice on how much space they'll need. After lunch, he asks his sales manager to meet with a radio station to vet upcoming ad spots and make sure they are consistent with the four main company values. The sales manager says he thinks they are, but that no one has explicitly tried to work the values into the ads. He and Ken have a good discussion on how values should inform and affect what they do even when they can't be explicitly identified in the ad's content. Ken knows he's getting somewhere when the manager says, so stewardship might affect how we negotiate the total ad spend, but we don't have to necessarily talk about stewardship in the ad. At the end of the day, Ken stops in the office doorway of one of his customer service representatives and asks her for a story of the day. She tells him about a customer who received one of the company's thank you cards on the one-year anniversary of their home purchase. The front of the card is a picture of a completed orphanage with 35 smiling kids standing in front of a humble building somewhere across the world. But the card doesn't say anything about the orphans or the orphanage. This customer called and got the whole story. She's now a monthly contributor to the foundation that covers the ongoing costs and staffing of the orphanages. This is an illustration of how your values, vision, why, and mission can spread throughout your day to become an invaluable part of your business without being stuck on a wall or inside a PowerPoint presentation. By honing in on their values, vision, why, and mission, everyone at the company has a framework for making decisions. And it is those decisions that make Ken's company what it is. With a different set of values, vision, why, and mission, the company will look different. The employees would act differently, and the customers would respond differently. What is true of Ken's business is true of your business. The values, vision, why, and mission will define who you are, what you do, and why you do it. Contrast this with the way most companies are run. Without any defined values, without a vision, without any compelling reason why, and without a mission that anyone knows. Is it any wonder that most companies struggle with customer service, retention, employee morale, and ultimately profitability? At the same time, we have to realize that just having values, vision, why, and mission isn't enough. We must actively create opportunities to communicate them. They have to be talked about all the time. Making tough decisions that put values first. There are numerous practical applications of values, vision, why, and mission that show up every day, just as in Ken's case. Without question, they should be used as a filter for daily decisions. You should be asking, is this choice consistent with our values? Does it move us in the direction of our vision? Does our attitude and behavior reflect our why? When people see us doing this, will it be obvious that we are all about our mission? Ken did not put his VVWM on a shelf and say to his team, just get the work done. He used them in every respect of managing and leading his team. 
These are tools that can help business owners where they often struggle most in the nuanced and subjective roles of dealing with people. Business owners often have little trouble wrapping their arms around the technical and logistical issues facing the business. But when it comes to people, they can use all the help they can get. People decisions are rarely based on quantitative feedback. There is no black and white report that says, here's what this person is doing that doesn't quite sit well with you. But VVWM can go a long way toward making that subjective qualitative behavior objectively measurable. For example, when an employee receives more than their fair share of complaints, both from coworkers and customers, we can better understand the situation by using VVWM. When we dig a little deeper, we may see that every single one of these complaints for the last two months has been a blatant disconnect from one particular company value. We don't even have to get into what was right or who was wrong. If the handling of the situation was inconsistent with our values, that is the only thing that matters. You can be right all day long, but if you violate our values in the process, that's not okay. I hear business owners say this all the time. It's not what he's doing. Honestly, he's doing a job very well, but it's the way he's doing it. I just don't know if we can keep him. This is a business owner who has never taken the time to articulate values. Or if they have, those values never make it out of the three-ring binder and into daily conversation. Business owners like Ken sound totally different. They say things like, Joanne was putting up some really good numbers in her territory, but we just couldn't let her stay. She was making a habit of throwing her teammates under the bus every time something went wrong. I get it. It's, it's frustrating when other people screw up and create problems that aren't your fault. But if one of our company values is loyalty, we've got to have each other's back. Getting the best people. VVWM is also a way to weed through all the candidates for a job in search of those rare A players. Skills and competency are the minimum requirements for a new hire. But most companies stop their formal interviewing there and leave the final decision to intuition or gut feel. If we use cultural fit as an explicit indicator, we'll spot things that our gut will often miss. When we discuss our VVWM with incoming hires during an interview, we get an entirely different set of responses and reactions versus basing our judgment solely on their abilities, their experience, and whether they seem like a nice person. We're taking the assessment a step further and building a solid team rather than filling an operational hole with a competent and nice person. This is something I see with new clients, where they do a lot of homework to verify skills and competency to make sure that the person they're about to hire knows how to do the job, but they do almost nothing to assess cultural and mission fitness. What is this person's potential for future roles as we move toward our vision? Does our why resonate with their personal motivations, values, and beliefs? Are they excited by the mission they are expected to show up for and serve with enthusiasm every day? These are risky questions to ask. It's much easier to wrap up the interview and evaluate the prospect with questions like, so how do you think it went? Were they a good person to talk to? Did they seem energetic? Did they seem like they'd fit in? Imagine that during your next new hire interview, you ask some of the following questions. These are our company values. Take a look at them and tell me, have you ever worked for a company or been a customer of a company that did any of these well? What did that look like? Or, which of these values do you think it would be easiest for you to live out and which would require the most work?
or you've read our vision statement. That's obviously not where we are now, but as we move toward it, how do you think your role in the company might change? How would you want it to change? Is our company vision compelling to you? What are the similarities and differences between our why and yours? How would you feel sharing our mission statement with a customer, with your parents, with your spouse? What would they say about it, and how would you respond? Also be aware that as you're evaluating them, they are evaluating you as their prospective employer. It says a lot that your vision, values, why, and mission play a feature role in a new hire interview. In a lot of companies, these interviews can be throwaway part of an otherwise busy day or just checking the box on someone who has stellar qualifications. The fact that you've taken the time to get their thoughts on the bigger business won't be overlooked by the person you are interviewing. The odds are good that you will pull people into your company's orbit who want more than just a job. The right ones will sit up straighter and realize that you are pulling better answers and better thinking out of them than the company that just made them a sweet offer as they were driving to your place for the interview. Developing the best people. Talking about VVWM isn't just for new hires. It is also the most effective way to identify those who need to be promoted from within. Before we start working with a new client, I spend a lot of time interviewing different people at all levels in the company. It was during one of these interviews that I met Wilmer, an ambitious young guy pegged as an up-and-comer. Wilmer just needed a little more experience before graduating to a supervisor position. I asked him, let's say that you knew you were starting here tomorrow as a new hire. Knowing everything you know about the company now, What's one thing you would like to change so that you would start off your first day on the right foot? Others that we had interviewed had talked about pay raises or better training programs, but Wilmer said, I wish we could find a way so that guys would get it from day one. I asked him what he meant. He said, look, the owner is incredibly generous, and he genuinely wants everybody to succeed. He always puts himself second or last. People don't realize the opportunity they have here. They don't realize that this company is different from every other company that they're going to have a chance to work for. If they could understand the supportive, selfless company they're working for from day one, their first impression would be different. Sure, they know what the job expectations are, but if they really got it on day one, they would also know what is most important to the owner, that it's really all about them. If that happened... I think we would have better people a year or even two years into the job because they might carry themselves a little differently. What is interesting about this story is that Wilmer's company didn't yet have a defined set of values. They didn't have a vision. They didn't have a compelling why. They didn't have a concise mission statement. But they got lucky, and Wilmer resonated with everything they were about. He was the cultural equivalent of a round peg in a perfectly fitting round hole. But what Wilmer was saying, what he was shouting out and somewhat frustrated with, was that he didn't want to leave it up to luck to find the next Wilmer, the next guy who got it. Without even knowing it, he was screaming for values, for a worthy vision, and a mission that would be the most important part of day one on the job. Wilmer knew instinctively that if we pay more attention to communicating VVWM, we will wind up with better team members. Not just because we hire better people, 
but because we call the people we hire up to greater levels of expectation and achievement. Growth requires a messenger. Chapter 1 was about crafting the message. This chapter has been about how that message can fuel our growth. One of the first things we have to realize about growth is that there are two kinds. The first kind of growth is internal and personal. We can all improve our businesses by becoming better at our jobs. Owners can sell better to close one more deal, manage time better to get one more project shipped each week, hire better to reduce turnover, and budget better to decrease overhead. But visions that rely on personal growth are tiny visions. The second kind of growth requires more than we can do alone. This is the growth required by a worthy vision. In chapter one, we acknowledge that we can't do it alone. We must leverage the time, talents, and ambitions of people other than ourselves. But the message alone won't do it. The message requires a messenger, someone who will be relentless in talking about values, pointing out examples, and using them to make decisions and quantify qualitative behavior. It requires a messenger who talks about the vision with the team and uses it to set priorities, someone who uses the vision to decide who should be on the team in the first place. It requires a messenger with the courage and confidence to talk about why it all matters. And it requires a messenger who is publicly on mission, not just any mission, but the mission, always without distraction or equivocation or apology. Are you the messenger your company needs to grow with purpose? Because they won't get it by osmosis. They will not come to your office and ask. They will not pursue you. You must pursue them, and you must do it relentlessly. Your values, vision, why, and mission must infect everything you do before you can expect them to infect everyone around you. So that was the second chapter. And the message needs a messenger is something that you really could boil it down into pig-headed persistence. And that's a term I heard somebody use one time, and I thought it, it absolutely accurately encapsulated kind of the key to success in so many areas of executive uh, planning and execution. And so you go to the trouble and, and we, we help a lot of clients, you know, so they come to us and they don't have any of these things. They don't have a vision statement. They don't have values. They don't understand their why. They don't, they may have a mission statement, but it doesn't really do what we believe a mission statement should do. And so we help them develop these things and it can take, I mean, it can take hours, it can take days, it can take weeks, it can take months. It just depends really on the level of commitment they have to it and how much time they're willing to set aside. It also has to do, you know, with, you know, whether they're willing to come up with one that's kind of rough and dirty and try it out for six months or if they want it to be perfect. And even the ones who want it to be perfect, our encouragement to them is let's just get something because we know that you're going to change it over the first six to 12 to 18 months uh, after you start using it. There are going to be parts of it that sound good today that just don't sound right tomorrow. And so understand, like, d- don't wait for it to be perfect before you get it out there. So they'll come in and they'll do this work with us. And and then if they don't do anything with it, if they don't start weaving it into their day-to-day activities, if they if it's not part of the conversations that they're having then it just it doesn't make a difference and this it's great to have it if somebody were to you know pop quiz you and say you know what's your vision or what are your values or what's your why your mission uh, you would be able to pass the quiz but it's all academic it doesn't mean anything in your business so 
um, my encouragement to you is you do the hard work to develop these things, and it could be, you know, I say hard, but really it's it's not extraordinarily difficult. Uh, it just requires some time. So schedule some time to get away where it's quiet. You're not going to be distracted. You're not going to be interrupted. And work on your values, your vision, your why, and your mission in that order. And then once you have that in place, you have to get it out to everybody. So, you know, schedule a meeting and, and get this, roll this stuff out and say, this is what I've been working on. Be very transparent. Be like, you know, this is, this is probably going to change a little bit, but you know, 80% of it is probably going to stay the same. We don't really want to, um, to constantly be tweaking this stuff the first six months. That's, that's acceptable and understandable, but get it out there and talk about it. Get some feedback. What do you think about this? Where are we falling short? These are our values. Which ones are going to be the most difficult for us to really live up to? Where do we have the most ground to make up? Which ones are we doing really, really well right now? And then after that initial kind of feedback and talk about the vision and and what that's going to take, and the thing about vision is you may not know how you're going to get there, and that's fine. It's just important that you know what you're aspiring to and your team knows what you're aspiring to. And once all of that has kind of been that initial shock of, you know, here's this new thing that we're going to start using to run the company, once that's kind of out there and once your people have had the chance to wrap their arms around it, you cannot waste a second in terms of coming back to it and talking about it every day. And one of the best ways to do that is uh, we, we have a weekly operations meeting as part of our part of the system that we use with clients where we train them how to do the planning and the execution part of this. And in that weekly operations meeting, the very first thing we do is something called a mission moment. And the mission moment is our values in action somewhere in the business that past week. And businesses that have had values for years and years and years still struggle with the mission moment. Because it, you have to be on the lookout for this stuff. And what you need to be doing is training your people to always be scanning the horizon in search of these mission moments where your values are making a difference in the business. And we'll hear customer stories. We'll hear employee stories. We'll hear um, stories with, you know, with vendors, uh, community partners, uh, reviews that came in through the Internet, all that stuff. Um, has an opportunity to to express your values in action. And so collect those stories and talk about them. Talk about them all the time. The other place that this stuff comes up every day is when you're talking about issues with employees, and we all have them. Every, every business that has one employee is going to have employee issues because we're human people. We, we struggle with the, thing, the same things we all struggle with. And... When, when you're failing in performance, when you're not really doing, doing things the way that we want them to be done, a lot of times it comes down to values. And so talk about these conversations, to have these tough conversations with employees in the context of values so that you can reinforce what's really important. And if you have to call somebody out for coming up short on a value and you yourself know you often come up short on that value, admit that. Don't try to hide it. Don't, don't worry about, oh, I'm not going to call this out because I'm not perfect at it. We're all struggling. And the question really is whether that employee is going to be open to counsel and feedback and advice and encouragement and exhortation and ultimately accountability to get better at upholding that value. And if they are willing to do that, it's a, it's a win-win. Everybody knows what's most important. 
But if an employee says they give lip service or they just flat out refuse or in, in the face of accountability, they cannot make progress, at some point, you're going to have to separate from that employee or you're going to have to live with the consequences of a toxic culture. Because if you're saying one thing, that this is the culture we aspire to and these are the values that we want to live out, but you're allowing someone to remain in a position where they constantly run contrary to those values and it's very visible to everybody else in the organization, and it always is. Everybody, everybody knows this and everybody talks about it, whether you like it or not. You're going to have a toxic culture. And so, you know, values, kind of a two-edged sword, they're tremendously effective at helping you create the culture, but they also require you, the business owner, to step up your game. And if you're going to put these things out there, you have to be consistent. And when somebody on your team is not living up to them or refuses to live up to them, then you may have to make some tough decisions. When you talk about vision, you know, there were some examples in the chapter about using it in new hire interviews, but it's also tremendously important for you to constantly be talking about the vision to your team, to give them some context for why the things you're doing right now are important in the bigger scheme of things. You as the owner are constantly putting together the puzzle pieces and arranging them to come out at the end where you want to, to build the picture that you know is the the end result. But your employees will lose sight of that or they'll forget it. It's not their vision. So you can't expect them to be thinking about it 24-7. Hopefully there are aspects of it that are attractive to them, that provide opportunities and they can get excited about. But you shouldn't expect them to, uh, to hear it once and then understand everything about why you're doing and how it feeds into that. Even if they do know the vision, even if they could recite it verbatim, it's not always going to be obvious how day-to-day decisions or quarterly priorities or bigger projects fit into that bigger vision. And you need to make sure that you're articulating that and you're explaining it for them and for you. You know, if, if, when you start to go down these rabbit trails and pursue bright, shiny objects, if you have a team that's asking you, how does this fit with our vision? You might have to be honest with yourself and go, well, it probably doesn't. This just got, this was just something I got very interested in. This seemed like an opportunity that was too good to pass up. And so it's important for your team to understand, but it's also important for you to be held accountable to the vision. And the best way to do that is to be talking about it all the time. So I want to encourage you to, to not just do the work, but take the risk. And it is a risk. You're kind of putting yourself out there when you start to bring these things into your business. It's not always easy to talk about values. It's not always easy to talk about your vision. It's not always easy to talk about your why, right? Your mission statement is, it's kind of out there for the world to see. Um, but, you know, you're going to have to talk about it so that when you, when you do mention it, it doesn't feel like you're trying to just recite you know, chapter and verse uh, and from rote memory, something that doesn't mean much to you. I mean, so in all of these respects, the message has to have a messenger. And in my mind, that needs to be the business owner. It needs to be the person who is, who has been entrusted with leadership of that organization. And um, how many times today are you going to talk about those things in your business? How many conversations are you going to have today that tie directly back to your values, your vision, your why, and your mission? I hope it's a lot. We'll see you next week.